This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by 14 HQ. Happy, happier, happy cinema weekend to Woo! to everyone listening. Um, this is the post-credit scene podcast. Back. It's a 14 HQ original. Shout out to Kyle and Charles in the room. Estelle's in the building as well. Dun, you know dun, the vibes, dun. you know the vibes, you know the vibes. I'm joined by my fellow co-host, the one and only Manny. How are you, bro? I'm all good, my brother. Yourself? Yeah, man. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Looking forward to talking some cinema. Obviously, we've got some important things to talk about before that. Um, but yeah, um, I'm good. And Hoss, how are you? I'm feeling fantastic. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Obviously, we are... I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a moment for cinema this weekend. Yes, sir. To blockbuster big films in, in their own right and in their own way. Um, but before we talk about those films, man, I feel like it's important for us to to talk about the writers and the actor strike. Um, the writer strike is something we wanted to talk about for quite a while, but for different reasons, we haven't been able to. Um, but now the actor strike has sort of aligned with it. I think it's uh, it's only right that we uh, we deep dive into that, share some of our thoughts about it, the information that we have. Uh, I'm not gonna act like I'm the most knowledgeable on it, but you know, it's, it's something I've been trying to- It's a learning curve though, isn't it? Like as long as we're le- like learning about it. And I think um, I think the interesting part about this is is that it's quite a new thing in terms of uh, in terms of obviously the last strike which would have aligned with the actors and the writers would have been roughly 60 years ago so I think it was 1960 around those times um, but now we're in a content creation era as well so now people like ourselves um, especially here in the UK and America and across the world are being uh, there's questions being asked about what our contribution is to the strike and what our thoughts are alongside obviously the actors and how you show solidarity and so on and so forth so yes sir um, before I maybe give some information about it, uh, quick thoughts about the strike from yourselves. Feel free to. Yeah, like, look, man, like, I was saying off camera, like, um, everything's, everything is to do with, like, like, like people try and make it out like it's to do with uh, creativity and this and that. It's not, man. It's a financial thing. It's a compensation thing. You know, like, we've just gone through, like, an era as well of, like, covid where like you know a lot of these actors were still getting paid royalties and bonuses you know in that time whereas like the writers that make the films that allowed you to get those royalties and <laughs> and that kind of stuff um were out of a job for you for for a few uh, what two uh a few three years and then it's also i had a chat with uh, one of my friends who i was actually going to ask to come on the, the <coughs> pod uh, he works for PMA Films, helped us shoot the junket for 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 when uh, you run, and he was talking about how it's affected their company because they do um, like e- e- like EPKs e- e- and stuff. And what mm. he he was saying is just like their opinion on it from back then was a lot of people that are coming out of film school that spent thousands of pounds on film school and that kind of stuff. Da, da, da. A lot of people like us guys maybe in the in this room that want to go and be like an intern at, at Fiend Warner. You know, we've had people on here like Ola and that kind of stuff who, who are in that space, right? A lot of people are, everyone's suffering because it's the worst time to get into the industry. But ethically, like, you can't be like, oh, you know, what, what the F is going on because people are just trying to fight for their rights. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, it's a bit of a... Which whatever side of the fence you're on or whatever industry you're in, like it's something to look at and learn about 100%. Cool, yeah, man. Um, Manny, before I go over to you, let me just give some added information. Some people may not, you know, have any knowledge about the strike whatsoever or what, yeah. what it's about. So the act of strike centers on a dispute over compensation, especially in light of an industry-wide shift towards streaming that has changed the way performers receive residuals or royalty payments. So obviously, once you've performed in a, in a show, for example, 
you only get paid for that particular show and that's it. Whereas before, and obviously that doesn't that doesn't read right or sound right at all because these shows are watched time and time and time again and streamers and the likes of Netflix, Disney and Apple TV who have all benefited from as as viewers, yeah, um, are still earning money from from such shows and movies. So from a, from a moral standpoint, that clearly doesn't sound right. I think there's a big worry around the whole construction of AI in terms of um, using AI to write scripts, using AI as uh, people's likeness, likenesses and, and backgrounds and, you know, not paying them for, paying them, paying them for such in, in a manner where they can survive and live. Um, I've heard so many stories of actors saying that um, there's only a small percentage of actors in the world that are actually earning a good living from acting. Yeah. Um, and, and the most of the really? actors, the most of the actors that are actors <laughs> barely uh, can barely earn a living and they have to try and find other ways to earn money. Um, I think there was a someone, and again, I, I should probably have my notes on this. Someone from Orange is the New Black, which is one of Netflix's. Chemical Glenn. Yeah, she's one. That's one of Netflix's prime uh, TV series in terms of it. it was one of the first original, well, not yeah. the first, um, and it's, a, it's one of the most popular and loved uh, Netflix series, and it's still watched today. Um, and she's barely earned a living from 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 that series, which to me and I'm sure to many people that are listening and that are aware of the strike doesn't read right. Um, before I maybe deep dive a bit further, Manny, any thoughts on anything you want to you know speak about? Yeah, sure. Just to uh, speak on Chemical Glenn uh, quickly. Like she ma- made a complaint. Like she was again, like what Gaz mentioned, she was part of um, one of Netflix's biggest um, draw of people to come into Netflix. So essentially, Orange Black kind of built the platform 100%. to become yeah, what it is now. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of the subscribers that first jumped on onto Netflix that stayed on there and. Netflix can thank Orange New Black for bringing them X amount of money um, mm. over the years, and for somebody to be part of, I don't know how many episodes she was in. I think it was like possibly like forty or, or something like that. It wasn't like a small role; she's mm-hmm. a big sport actress within 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 the show. And then for you to get residual residuals of twenty seven dollars, even if it's I don't I, I don't know how long that period was, but it could be residuals for a day. There's there's no reason why a company that creates X amount of shows uh, has X amount of subscribers. And has been shown to make X amount of billions per year, and the executives and so on and so forth keep getting these big bonuses. Um, but the actors that are making, the actors and the writers that are contributing to our entertainment, to our enjoyment, aren't able to live off um, that work that they've done. Mm-hmm, and again, it's not work that you spent a day doing. F- doing over 40 episodes or something takes not only time and, and skill and effort doing the shows even to build up the experience to get to that point yeah. it's, it's compensation that somebody deserves um, again I don't know I don't know that much about the um, the strike itself I don't know the intricates of it to be fair um, but what, what I do know is that people need to be paid fairly um, and if there's a whole industry <coughs> of workers writers and actors that are complaining um, of what the conversation mm. uh, has been then the, there is obviously a big issue and there's a bigger disconnect if the executives and and the people that run these, these companies are making are making so much money off bonuses yeah um, but but the, the actors are not somebody made Causes. a point somebody made a point like if um like people like um all these big film and tv companies agree to um to these terms the difference in how much they are it's actually spending, it's not a big difference. It's not. It's like, someone said it's like an extra 10% they are spending in order to mm. match, like I can't remember which company is, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get the at one point, um, to match the demands of, um, of of these writers and, 
and, and TV strikes. So it just comes down to what feels like greed and, and nothing and nothing more. Um, and again, not according um, to Rob Iger, unfortunately, uh, not to cut ties. I don't know, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, we, our thoughts are our thoughts, and it seems something like Bob Iger said, um, and I'll try to get up in a minute, but he said something along the lines of, you know, they're not being fair in what they want, and it just sounds so egregious. That's great. But to, to give people, like, context of what Manny just said about the $27, you know, of, of the royalties and stuff, like, uh, and Gaz mentioned earlier, like, you know, um, it's not, it's there is a small percentage of actors that are earning. I'm saying from this and the example is like the Friends cast you know like um, I saw an interview with um, uh, the guy who plays Ross what's his name um, David Schimmer uh, and he was saying how like when Comedy Central picked up uh, Friends he didn't even have to call no one nothing he just saw in his account for a year he was getting 30 to 40 thousand pounds just put in, in in his account every month and, and then when Netflix picked up he didn't even want to say the number that he was getting and they're not even they're not even doing any promo for it no PR no marketing nothing he doesn't have to do anything for it that's just that is just the contract that they, the fact they agreed to <clears throat> so that the way that HBO can now sell these contracts onto Comedy Central or to Netflix or or, or, and, or blah 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 whatever they, they, they do with it there's a certain percentage that, that the cast have to get and that and those are and they didn't just get that by the way like voluntarily like it's famously known in the last season they all fought for their pay they all said we are not coming back for the last season if we do not get paid what 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 uh what what, what and what we're worth because they found out that friends was making like a hundred mil per per fucking season and then they were like wait a minute we're getting paid peanuts here, you know. Yeah. What I mean, Evan, Evan, they were the the the, um, the first actors to get paid a million pound per episode, and there's still, I think, there's only, I think, Big Bang Theory was the next one that got that that amount of money for their main cast, and even that was split, by the way. Whereas, the Friends last season was cut by ten episodes because they didn't want to pay the rest of the money, and that's how they compensated for it. They actually. Friends average twenty to twenty-eight episodes every season, and the last episode was like sorry, and the last season was like thirteen, fourteen episodes, because they were like, we're not paying for the rest of it if we're going to pay you man a million pound per ep, and they negotiate. They were able to strike and negotiate their pay and their royalties, and that's all that's happening now with everyone else. You know, it's tough. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Hollywood produ- productions have ground to a halt, and actors have you know walked off set. Writers haven't been working for months. The unions representing the writers and the actors, which is the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, yep. and the Screen Actors Guild, uh, which is the American Federation of Television and Radio Arts, went on strike after their contract expired with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Productions. Um, so the likes of Disney, Paramount, Netflix, Universal, and others are involved in that. Um, while the WGA began its strike on May the 2nd, um, the SGA, SAG sorry, joined the writer's strike on the picket lines on July the 14th, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, both writers and actors are fighting for contracts that prevent an AR replacing them at their jobs, whether it's writing scripts or appearing as a background actor. They are also looking for better pay when, when working on shows for streaming services. We are starting to see the effects of the strike already, uh, from the likes of Deadpool 3, Stranger Things, Thunderbolts, The Last of Us. Daredevil and many more are now in limbo. I think we saw the 
images of Wolverine, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds on Deadpool 3, for example, where everyone got excited seeing the Wolverine suit. And now they're on strike, and rightly so. I mean, as, as exciting as that was, I think the strike is fair. Um, if that means shows and movies are pushed back, um, there's plenty, there's so much stuff to watch yeah. in that meantime to keep you occupied, even if it does mean some of our favourite shows and movies are on on. On, on hold, you know. Um, so everything's in limbo until the unions can reach an agreement with the AMP, AMPTP. Um, just before we close off this segment, then uh, from a, from a post credit scene perspective, I guess it's, I'm going to throw you under the bus a bit, Hus. But I'm intrigued to get your thoughts, and I haven't even told you that I was going to ask you this. But what is your stance for us, I guess, as a group in terms of our of our alliance with the strike, and what are your thoughts on that? Just yeah, look like. Um I was saying to you guys like um, before, you know, it's 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 tough because like a lot of these writers that are striking, Evan, a lot of the actors that are rightfully supporting them and that kind of stuff, and I feel like the writers didn't feel like they were supported, and now s some of them are by the people that they're writing for. You know, like a lot of these films we won't have without the writers that are obviously writing them, right? So, but it is affecting people um, outside of that. You know, people that work in. Uh, in like lighting that are assistant producers or runners or you know and these people that are actually not involved with, within the strike or don't feel like they they are involved who are losing out on work like they're not getting <coughs> like the union pay and and, and 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 that kind of stuff they are just not getting paid because a, a lot of jobs in film are contracted or uh sorry contractors or they're freelancers right like unless you're part of the actual direct company but how often is that now you know <clears throat> especially on like the bigger productions where like there's actually a bit more money so for us like in a position that that we're in now you know like just to interrupt you the reason i asked i saw an interesting tiktok the other day i don't know if you saw it manny it was uh, someone from the nerd council timmy timmy from the nerd council he was he was kind of a bit like well <clears throat> as as independent you know sort of smaller creators compared to some other creators how what would our stance be because as much as uh we want to align with the strike his words i guess i don't i'm definitely paraphrasing um he's kind of left in a bit of limbo he doesn't know where his stance is because he wants to know how other people feel people like us in the industry where you know similar industry in terms of content creators and yeah. lovers of film and tv yeah um, and it's kind of it's the unknown which is i guess is the part that i'm intrigued in because you know uh yeah go on man you was gonna say you're absolutely right yeah, yeah I, th I think um timmy's not alone in that i think a lot of people um that even are even close to actors and writers don't know what to do uh, because this is new ground this has never happened before mm. in our time yeah not ever like because the, the 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 issue now is that the people that um that are confused are be like uh, people that do like tiktok content or youtube content that don't not necessarily sign to a union but still cre still create content that still do that will benefit them. still benefit uh, like technically still do work on behalf of these companies now they're now they're in a position of this is also how I kind of make, I make a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm not. You've seen some of the that, yeah, that yeah. strawberry hat guy, for example. Sure, sure, sure. Strawberry goofy guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So the 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 limbo is that what can I personally, what as a creator personally, do to help with the right uh, help with the writers and 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 the actors while still making in, a living. While, while still making a living, and what lines am, am I not allowed to cross? Um, am I, am I not crossing the picket line? And I think quite a few th again things change over time. So people are asking um, the guilds. People are asking like, what are we supposed to do? What's the limit? What can we do to support you and help you? And I think that some of the things that I've come across that people are saying is that because um, one of the things that our actors and writers are paid to do is promote TV and films and shows. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing that they ask is that. If you are getting paid, like if a, if a production company um, or film TV company 
um, approaches you to get paid to um, promote. promote, you should turn it down. That that is supporting that is supporting the guild. That is support, that mm. is supporting the writers. That's um, That's interesting. Uh, and 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 also like the try not to but again th- things change all the time I keep seeing I see you seeing creators like saying different uh, opinions yeah, yeah, d- yeah different opinions and, and obviously again this is new ground it's in like ideally not to promote new films that are, are coming out especially if it's paid for because again you are essentially doing the work that the, that the writers and actors should be being paid for um, but you're taking on, on the work as, a, as somebody of some sort of uh, influence so you're kind of taking away the jobs mm. away from um, the writers and I think there was, the one, there was one other comment I saw of people saying where if these uh, if production companies start approaching you to prom- promote the stuff going forward I, you might have just said that and I might have just completely stolen your line which is fine uh, but if, if they approach you to appear in films or to be to promote their films going forward to go to premieres to go to screenings ideally you they would say can you kind of turn it down again it's new grounds and it's it's, it's a murky waters because it's, it's the unknown yeah that's crazy man. Um, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how this develops I think what will be interesting I think we have to move on but what we can do is when we next record in a couple of weeks, we can have more knowledge on it firstly. And uh, secondly, we can approach it from also seeing, kind of trying to see the streamer's perspective just to be of a more balance. Not that necessarily we agree with the streamers. Um, I'd like to think we will align with the, with the actors and the writers. Yeah. But it'd be good to get uh, to offer the perspective of the streamers and why they think they haven't been able to come to a, an agreement so far. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's, our, that's our, our little segment on the... On the strike, we're, we're looking forward to seeing. Hopefully, things develop. Hopefully, they can come to terms and agreement uh, in the next couple of weeks. And you know what? In the Lincoln Bio, like we will leave like certain things. You know, like where where uh, you can um, uh, uh, you know support and, and yeah, and we'll try. This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by Fourteen HQ. A happy cinema weekend. We are here. Um, Call it work, it actually is. Oh, sorry, man. Well, firstly, happy cinema weekend to everyone again. Right. Uh, I think it's a courteous thing of me to do, you know. But uh, more importantly, happy Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed our previous little segment about the strike. Uh, If you're looking for more information, as I said, there should be stuff in our bio in terms of how you can support if you you choose to do so. Um, We are going to talk about Barbie first because I had to... I think... I just... I can't lie. I wanted to save Oppenheimer uh, for last. I think it deserves a... A real deep dive, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't watched it enough. I've only watched it once. Um, time constraint and things. But I wish I had time to watch it. Second yeah, me too. Me too. But uh, we're going to talk about Barbie first. Um, yeah. Barbie. I, again, not a film I necessarily imagined myself watching at the start of the year. Um, but I think what's been... Done, well, firstly, the marketing's been superb. Yeah. It's been stellar. And it's not... It's, it's almost... Yeah, it's been forced upon us, definitely. I think... But I think the uh, the whole... Oppenheimer versus Barbie and then they're kind of making it not a versus it's more of a this is a cinema thing this is a great thing to celebrate yeah. for cinema whichever one you go to watch whichever, yeah. if, you, if you do both if you watch both on the same day this is something to be celebrated and both sets of actors and directors both supported each other which yeah. is which was alongside uh, Tom Cruise with Mission Impossible and I'll probably try and talk about it in, in another episode Mission Impossible was fucking superb really 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 good mm-hmm. um, and that's also been kind of part of this whole you know uh, celebration of cinema in the month of July it was a really really good film but we will probably I will probably try and talk about it in it's a, a classic episode. July yeah it's been a really good July um, Manny did you see yourself watching Barbie at the start of the year I'm a Barbie um, as soon as I saw some of not like like the clips, you saw the premise of what it was. Yeah, well, and and I knew there'll be. Um, I thought I thought it would be it was gonna be a bit more like a dark drama. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't <laughs> it a dark was drama. Like, 
Um, but I, I was going to watch because I was looking forward to the twist that they would have had. I enjoy when people take, um, like for example, when we had, uh, uh, not Tarzan, what's it called? Jungle, the Jungle Book. Oh yeah. yeah. And they made it into a live action, live action, but they made it like a bit more adult and a bit yeah, more, yeah. more darker. Um, so I like when people take, um, I guess, stuff that like people our generation or generation above grew up as kids having. Well, Bar- Barbie's like, way before that but as kids having but then you turn it into something a bit more for adults and, mm. and I, I enjoy seeing how what route they take so I was looking forward I was actually looking forward to Barbie mm-hmm. for whatever it was going to offer Chris? yeah now nah, the, the moment that I saw it was gonna, it was a, a, a 12 rating I said alright so it's not like a PG thing you know what I mean so that must mean that that must mean there's there's some sort of like maturity in it mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, the cast is dope you know, like, you know, we had what? We had Shang-Chi, we had Gravik. Man from- said Shang-Chi, you know. Where's your respect, man? Let's just e- end the episode now. <laughs> Fucking disrespectful guy, man. <laughs> Shang-Chi, you know. Simu Lee, shout out to Simu Lee, man. I'll call him by his superhero name, bro. Man said Gravik, you are. And then, and then Gravik as well from Secret Invasion. Sh- you know, shout out to Gravik and that. Um, uh, these are all like superstar Marvel actors, mate. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I can't lie, I didn't, I didn't clock that. Like, you didn't Gravik? Like, I, was, uh, I was watching, like, I know this guy from somewhere. You know Gravik? <laughs> I know this guy from somewhere. But then, you know why? Do you know why? Because you, you've seen him here just just, just shoot up the, uh, Nick Fury, bro. Yeah, but now he's just, he's just he was better like smiling, like, ah. I was, bro, it was oh, yeah, big, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't clock. Bro, they had they had Marvel superstars there. You're welcome. You hear me? Um, but like, yeah, like the moment I saw it, it was, it was like a twelve rating. I said, yeah, this is gonna be like a different type of film, and it's, it's gonna it's gonna mean something, man. So yeah. Cool. Uh, Barbie is a 2023 American fantasy comedy uh, directed by Greta Gerwig. Go Oscar nominee. I I almost feel as though she's definitely an Oscar winner director, but. Um, mm-hmm. Don't, don't take me my word for that. It's based on the Barbie fashion dolls by Mattel. And I loved what they did with Mattel in this film, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's the first live action Barbie film after numerous computer animated uh, to directed to video and streaming television films. So this is the first live action Barbie we've had. Stars the one and only Margaret Robbie, uh, who is the lead as stereotypical Barbie. The other uh, actors involved, Katie McKinn as Weird Barbie, Issa Rae, shout out to Issa Rae, shout to Issa as Rae. President Barbie. Um, Harry Neff as Dr. Barbie, Emma Mackey from uh, Sex Education, I believe it is, yeah. as Physicist Barbie. There was, there was just loads of different versions of Barbie, um, hard to get through them all. Ryan Gosling obviously played Ken, and then there were different variations of Ken as well. Shang-Chi and Gravik. We had Kingsley Benadir as Ken, who is also in Secret Invasion as Gravik, really good actor. I think he's going to play Bob Marley in a Bob Marley film next year, if not the year after. The strikes, might, the strikes may impact that. Simu Lee as... Bob as Ken 2 Scott Evans as Ken 3 um, John Cena was in this as Merman, Merman yeah, Ken yeah. there was loads of and Will Ferrell obviously stars in this as well there was, it's, it's a packed Michael packed, Sarah it's, it's, yeah as Alan yeah it's a packed packed uh, cast uh, Helen Mirren as the narrator who did a superb job for this she as well. did yeah. this is a star studded uh, a cast thoughts on the film man talk to me let's get into it um, really enjoyable um, off, off bat it's really enjoyable um, I, again I wasn't sure what I was expecting from um, the film, but I did enjoy how self-aware and, and a lot. Elaborate. Of um, there was like a. Um, I'm sorry, Estelle, I'm going to spoil it for you a little bit. There was. Um, Estelle, you. I haven't seen it. You're not a woman. God, okay. You're not a feminist like us. God, how dare she? 
um, before I get to um, the scene that I really enjoyed, but just a little bit about the show, I, I think it's definitely I look into. Um, so, so I know some people are complaining about it because they felt like it's a bit too quote unquote woke. Um, what? W- what? Yeah, that's 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 a lot of complaints. It was woke. It was. Are you serious, uh, bro? That, that's people's complaints, isn't it? Like, I oh, it's, <laughs> it's men complaining, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we just the worst, man. It's a complaint. So um, essentially, some people critique <sighs> it, saying that uh, it was it was about um, how Ken is a bit bit of a loser. He's, he's learning patriarchy, and then the whole film just about cussing men. That that's some people's complaints, and not definitely definitely not mine. I think it was a good that's way ridiculous. to it was a good way to um, look at patriarchy through the lenses of. Um, women that are meant to be quote unquote be perfect mm. and and through the Barbie world is meant to be a perfect world as well. Yeah, right? and 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 I just like I enjoy the fact that obviously all the CEOs were all men, and then they are creating this door that's meant to be for women, women to showcase women that are meant to be like strong X Y and Z. And I had the receptionist as who was the mother uh, on the desk, who is a, a woman, woman, stereotypical role right for women in. In this world, and in, we live in, 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 in that, in that type of parallel to the Barbie that she had, she was playing. She was playing a stereotypical woman in that world, and then Barbie, uh, the one that she was, she was, play, she was uh, pl- uh, playing with, was playing stereotypical Barbie. So, so then, sorry, th- there's a scene um, when I think she was talk- was she talking to? No, she wasn't talking to weird Barbie. She was talking to uh, America Ferrara's character Gloria, I think. Um, Margaret, um, Margaret Robbie's character, um, stereotypical. stereotypical Barbie. <laughs> Eventually, ha- I love that title by the way. I think yeah. it's, I love it. Yeah. yeah, and I think she was having uh, a breakdown, um, saying that because um, obviously she's meant to be perfect. And then in this scene, I think like they took off like some makeup, but she's like um, she's, she's a good-looking woman, and she's saying like, "Oh, I'm 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 not perfect. I'm ugly." So, so, and I can't remember what what the line was, but then you get the narrator breaking the full full saying, "Helen, Helen Mirren." Yeah, she said, "No, not to the producers." No, yeah. um, like, don't so, cast Margot Robbie, Robbie to make it seem as if like she's not a, a good-looking baby. Brilliant scene, but but yeah, it's it's very, like I feel like throughout the uh, whole film, like it's very <laughs> it's very self-aware um, and doesn't just. I I feel like it is a good conversation to have in terms of and I know we see like quite a lot of this stuff and people sometimes people don't want to go to films to uh, watch something that they will see as political or anything on those lines but I feel like it is important conversation to have and I always feel like art is a way to express how we and feel and how the world feels and, and how the world is looked at For through sure. entertainment so yeah I think they've done a really good job in that um, talking about things that are actually really important and then um, when when um, Ryan Gosling's character Ken eventually goes into the new world and then because obviously Barbie Land is run by Barbie run by so women, yeah. Ken is not necessarily a factor he's, he's, he's only there to exist because of Barbie but when he gets to the new world uh, to the real world and he sees that men run run the world he takes that ideology back into, into Barbie Land creating what um, trying to recreate mm. the real world in Barbie Land and then obviously that's when the conflict happens and I just feel like it's done really well I didn't expect that the turn to be um, uh, that to happen in the film uh, but yeah I just feel like they did a good job and also it was hilarious Definitely funny, man. Yeah, it was great, man. Honestly, like I've 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 really enjoyed it, and um, I the way that I kind of like describe it to, to people was that there's a few films in in like I guess the past like couple of years where like they try and toe the line between this is still like a family film to go watch, you know, with your kids and stuff. But at the same time as well, because you are going to watch it with, with your um, kids and stuff, you as like an adult can also enjoy it. And I feel like this done that so beautifully like if i had like a like a like a 16 or 17 year old son or daughter i'd take him to go watch this Mm. you know what i'm saying because it's like because like we can still we can still i feel like the middle 
plot bit was still the family fun that you could have where you know she's getting chased around the city yeah like herself those are all like the unwoke bits right okay that is just like the fun part of the film you know how when they travel from from barbie land to the real world that, that's the fun part of it that's the game part of it you know that, that's like the play-doh world or, or um plastic world do you know what i'm saying okay and it, it makes no sense but it's fantastic you know but then like at the start and right at the end it's just it's like it was emotional it was it was, it was uh, so uh, much. elaborate on that why was it emotional for you because it was like it was a lot of stuff that we knew you know we know how like oppressed uh women are um in this world but at the same time it was okay when i say we we know that's also when that the naivety of men because we know at a service level because we're not women okay, okay so like hearing it fr- uh, from women and hearing not just the bigger complaints like pay structures or positions and and the, this and that they're talking about the little things like how, how like you know the, um i think um I forgot what uh, Ugly Betty's uh, name is, but um, she... Uh, <laughs> Gloria. Gloria. Shout out to Gloria. In, in, the, in, the, in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gloria, like, makes the point, like, uh, that that women have to be in this in this imaginary sweet spot where they can't be too loud, but they can't be too quiet. They can't be too rude, but they can't be too uh, uh, powerful. And they can't. And there's uh, there's various bits that she explains, and we know the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the intricacies that um, that we don't live by every day, right. and they do, you know. And 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 seeing that, and uh, which is and it's beautiful because her, her saying that gets the Barbies out of being like brainwashed right and what I, I think in a way that's that that symbolises that like education you know or like um, knowing your self value or your self worth for a lot of these women can help them you know what I'm saying like a like like a long long uh, 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 way in a world that's dominated by a, a majority men or white straight men you know right. so yeah. Just just to add to that point, there's like a great scene that happens between um uh, Ken and Barbie when they first get into the to, into the real world. Well stereotypical Barbie and Ken get into the real world where they're walking through um Venice Beach, um and then people are staring at them because obviously they just look weird. They look like dolls in it. And then um Margot Robbie's ca- character, but stereotypical Barbie mentions that she doesn't like the way she's being looked stared at. at, looked at, and it feels like um there's like a, an undertone of violence. But but um but by the looks, mm. while Ken then says that I love the way I'm being looked at. It's like I'm, I'm even being admired and have no sense of undertone of violence. <laughs> yeah. But and and that's true. Like I, I don't walk around and ends feeling like, <laughs> like like any type of way. But obviously, yeah. like if, if sometimes you, when I when I like get a trim. Okay. Like Anyways, but obviously, like you, you, might, you might you might speak to some women and they can tell you about little things and in regards to like just how they feel. Just being around in public places or right. being around in very male dominated dominated places um yeah. there's like a, a difference in feelings and again film and tv and anything any story is an expression of of feelings and and experiences and i guess barbie just um I'm not i'm not saying the whole film is but obviously it's, the writer's intention was to express the feelings and experiences that she has as a woman mm. um and i feel that's that's an important story to tell an important, important thing to watch i think with the film it was interesting to see the way they um all the characters were able to learn something from it, from other people in, yeah. in the film. Uh, Ken was able to come to the realization that he doesn't need uh, a Barbie in his life to be Ken. And I think it took a while to get there, but in the end, he realized. Kenuff. 
he's Kenoff. He's Kenoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Ryan Gosling was, I think he was great in the film. He's he, so yeah. humorous. He was um, good, man. I, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was seriously impressed with him. Yeah, he was really, I, I can't really fault any of the acting, to be honest, but I, did, I do think he, him and Margaret would naturally stand out. Um, I, I loved, uh, I loved the way they were all able to sort of take something away from, from the, even the, uh, the mother and the daughter relationship. Yeah. Wherever uh, the daughter was kind of the typical, typical teenager in today's world who would be classified, I guess, as woke and, you know, self-aware and, you know, disgusted by the idea of a Barbie and short skirts and, you know, revealing pink fascism, you know, etc. Um, but she was able to learn something about her mother. Yeah. She didn't really know. Or she was trying to encourage her mother to be who she really is. Yeah. And in that turn, she earned uh, the mother and the respect of her daughter. And they were able to sort of rebuild their relationship, which I thought was nice. Very profound in terms of the way it was written. And they integrated the mother into the into the stereotypical Barbie and how it impacted stereotypical Barbie. Also, it was genius how they didn't have the dad get involved. You know how like most films, it's like, you know, the dad's got to like protect the family or whatever it is. Blah, blah, blah. It was a bit of a non-factor to be fair. No, very much a non-factor. It was very much a non-factor. But intentionally, uh, yeah. intentionally a non-factor, of, I think. Of course. And I feel like, because he, he was in two scenes, if I remember correctly, and yeah. he, it was actually funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, they no, no, used him well. Funny. The humour well. was well-timed for me. I thought it, they dropped it at, at the right times. I think if you go into this film, again, uh, some someone I know was like, this is one of the worst films I've ever seen. He said that to me what? yesterday. A uh, bro. <laughs> and, uh, 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 I, and, I, and I think it. How do you know it was a black guy, bro? No, I'm saying people. Oh. <laughs> like in general. <laughs> um, I think if you go into this film expecting, and the problem was, I guess, partly he watched Open Eyes the day before. If you go into this expecting Barbie to be. Uh, and the thing is with the film Barbie is if you go into open-minded, I think is the way I'm going to phrase this. If you go into open-minded, you can have a good time with this film. Yeah. You can take away some messages where you're going to learn something from the film. If you go into it closed-minded, where you've, you've even been forced to go and watch this film because of, you know it might have been a family member, a sister, a brother, you know, auntie, uncle. If you feel like you've been forced you, yeah. and you're not open-minded with your approach to the film, you're less likely to enjoy the, spe- the, the film. But I think it was quite, it was enjoyable. I took away some messages from it in terms of um, the importance of understanding women, listening to women, having women having their, their autonomy. Autonomy is, is the perfect word actually, to be fair. Yeah. Um, whilst also understanding that men also have I, and I think the film did it in quite a subtle way. Men also have their own pressures and expectancies. And I think Ken, for example, who felt as though, you know, my life surrounds around this, this woman, Barbie, and I can't live without it. Well, no, it's not the case, bro. Go and go and discover yourself. Go and be a, somebody, go and make yourself into somebody that, you know, who can find out who they are as a person. And I think that's but You see how did. smart it was when, like, Issa Rae's character right in when, when Ken asked for, like, an equal opportunity, she didn't give it to him straight away. You know what I mean? Okay, she was like, she was like, you can start off as like a low level. You know, that's so genius because like, but you because as a man, you just asked me to be part of the cabinet, I and mean, then she was like, well, no, you can't be. Do you know what's funny about that scene is when the narrator says, oh, um, this, that's why they start off. But in future, the men of Barbie Land oh, yeah, ended yeah. up having the same rights as women in the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 that was funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very, very self-aware. Also, yeah, just on that, yeah, okay, like, uh, I'm not, not going to say who, but you know who you are, yeah, okay? They DM me after I said Barbie, wow, on, on my story. And they said, nah, piss off, ha, 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 I can't, I can't take you uh, seriously now. And uh, I said to him, I said, yo, get your hood rat complex out of my, 
out of my DMs, okay? Because these men are like, yo, listen, I'm bad. Like, like, I, like, I can't come and and feel watch, uh, watch, watch, feel, watch Barbie and that. When he messaged me a voice note yeah, and said to me, he was like to me, yeah, no, listen, I'm gonna watch it yeah because my girl and her daughter wants to go watch it and this and that. Da, da, da. Shut up, man! You want to watch it because you want to watch it. I think, and that's fine. I can't lie, you're wild. I was, I wasn't, I, I didn't understand your wow. I'm, I'm gonna be real. And it's gonna say yeah. really. I didn't. I don't. I wasn't wow by the film. It was a good film. It was a good film. No, I think, but I said Oppenheimer wow, and I said Barbie wow. Yeah, and I, I, think, I, think I, I can hear the. Wow I can hear the wow for Oppenheimer, bro. Uh, my wow for Barbie was that, you know what? Wait a minute. Uh, hold up. Are you guys saying that you, this wasn't you can try, a very you can try beautiful film? You know it, was, it, was a, it was a really good film. It's a very enjoyable film where I took some messages from it. I just don't think it was wow. I, oh my god. Do you are you saying you hate women? No, you're you're trying to. That's that crazy. Estelle, Estelle, did you hear that? She just confirmed, guys. That that she. Heard. You're trying to imply that, and that's not the case at all. Um, I judge each film by its own merit, and I thought I thought Barbie was a good film. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a good time. That is a fancy way of saying I hate all women. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good try, though. Very, very, very apt try. I do respect it. I also liked. Um, it was interesting seeing how you know, like I feel like stereotypical Ken was like. The typical leader of a, of a, not typical in of our, a cult of of like guys and and they all sort of followed his route whatever you know like in certain groups there's always this tend to be a like frat guy people tend to say they tend to be a group leader right mm. oh, and Ken was the group leader um, I mean stereotypical Ken and they all sort of followed his suit other than Simi Lee's Simi Simi Lee's character Shanks. who was some respects man who <laughs> who was kind of his rival but all the rest of them sort of followed his lead and it's it's kind of try to replicate how I guess. From my memory, like how primary school kind of used to be at times, where there was like a group of guys who were, and there was one, one of the guys was the coolest guy. And then when you get older, that's true. You kind of like evolve and you become your own person. And you still have friends, you still have mm. groups, but mm. you don't necessarily have a group leader because everyone's. Mm. But I feel like that kind of replicated like how I remember my primary school kind of to be where. I think you're right. Um, and it was interesting seeing how you know once he became free, they became a bit freer. And yeah, good film, man. Really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's a, a bit more on that film. Um, it has one of my favorite fight scenes in, in TV. <laughs> Freaking enjoyable Which? when the when the men all start fighting each other. Oh, on the beach. When all the cans start fighting, yeah, yeah, on the beach. And then they broke into song and dance. Into the dance. Yeah, yeah. And, and I can't lie, the score on, on on this film is really good. Yeah, it's that's the, sick. Uh, the I am Ken song. Yeah, slappers. Yeah. Put on Spotify right now. <laughs> that's not slapped, yeah. bro. There was a there was a scene during the Ken. Uh, a song when they're obviously in like all uh, black and that yeah and and Simulius character and Ryan Gosling um, they play rock uh, paper scissors like yeah. at the end of the song yeah and then I read yeah that during that scene because obviously I had no re- I had no reference to it right but but I read okay that um, that scene when they were doing rock rock rock, rock uh, paper scissors it was whoever won one like it wasn't like a like an actual like oh you're yeah, yeah, yeah. you're meant to win so Ryan Gosling's character actually actually if he loses yeah and when he loses yeah he does this he he, he goes damn and then goes back into song <laughs> it's the funniest shit ever like after you know that and you rewatch it yeah. it's a genuine reaction of losing and then straight back into song you know what I mean but I think the Kens were so funny in a sarcastic and ridiculous way do you know what i mean and, and yeah it was it, it was a it was a fun watch yeah definitely definitely any other what is it the sound was up uh i'm sad that they, they didn't play i'm a bobby girl, in the, a bobby they, they played girl. the nikki marsh and aspice version the end yeah i i saw, I saw, I, I saw that yeah I, I i do want to shout out to you i thought simulu was superb in this film yeah um and i really enjoyed will ferrell 
as the CEO of, of Mattel. And I love how they kind of, uh, Mattel, who obviously are the, uh, the makers of Barbie, makers is completely the wrong term, but the creators of Barbie, I guess, along, uh, and they had the creator of Barbie actually in the film, which was quite cool. Man like Ruth. Ruth. Um, but I really enjoyed the way they kind of, it was like a laugh at itself and, uh, you know, making a point. Glad they, they approved it. You know what I mean? I, th- I think they would have played a role in, you know, that it happening in the first place. I think it was an intentional thing. I don't think it yeah. was an, an, an approving thing. I think it was kind of like, we have a message well, to tell Greta him. Greta and Noah wrote it, right? So I'm assuming- They would have had to, okay, fair enough, I'll get you. I'll get yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, you know what it is, like, you're, you're absolutely right though, like, shout out to Mattel for it. And Mattel obviously, like, I think the question before we go off here is, is just like, you know, what now, right? And I, I think the, the research that I was doing, okay, was just like, with Barbie being part of this Mattel world and Mattel working very closely with, you know, other companies like Hasbro and they've IP'd like a lot of their toys. And for reference, if you guys don't know, like Mattel own like Hot Wheels and uh, He-Man and, you know, like, um, yeah, and uh, Robotic Wars, you know, the people who go, you know what I'm saying? So like, apparently they're like, he-Man like got scrapped like three, four times, but but they're still writing for it, okay? Um, do you know what I mean? So apparently yeah, like Barbie could be part of this like bigger universe of- Manny said, of nah, game. Manny said no Barbie it's, multiverse. It's, it's, still, it's still found um, an article saying that they're gonna wanna do like, was that 20, 20 more Barbie films there? Yes, but but different Barbie stories. Yeah, yeah, not, different, not like different Barbie. Margot Robbie, it will be different Barbie. No, no, yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah. I hear it, I just don't, I don't understand why. Because Mattel wants to make their games into real life now so like so like we could we we could we, uh, we we could see a hot wheels he-man we know is is already in uh production they're, they're trying to create see. a franchise huh they're trying to create a film franchise yeah but like hasbro have done the same thing with uh with transformers you know what i mean and then yeah how wait have you anymore. have you guys seen the latest transformers i have yeah i'm about to spoil something yeah i don't care i'm not gonna watch it cool well um, Transformers is uh, partnering up with uh, G.I. Joe now. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That that was like the secret ending. And that's also Hasbro as well. So like they're starting to merge different universes and, and stuff. And I think that it's actually so much more playful when, when it comes from toys because that's what you've done. Like, like back in the day, you'd buy your, your, your favorite toys and you'd have He-Man versus fucking whatever or, or this but like these unrealistic mm-hmm. like stories. And, and I think that is the, the symbolism of that is beautiful. But you don't give a fuck. Not, not, not um, uh, Manny, before we Got round off this segment, um, question for you: Do you think? Got this guy. Do you think that uh, Warner Warner Bros. intentionally collided with Christopher Nolan's release of Oppenheimer? Do you think they did that strategically? Uh, obviously, he has history with um, with Warner Bros. Yeah. The last thing he had with them was Tenet, um, and I think the issue was that they put this on a they put Tenet on a streaming platform, and he didn't necessarily agree to that. Yeah. Hence, why he parted, parted company with them, and obviously Universal won the rights for Oppenheimer. Do you think that was a In- intentional move? I, I, I don't know, but I'm glad it happened. Yeah, oh, so cinema, cinema definitely benefit. Oh, cinema, yeah, so it's cinema won. Yeah, cinema won, loved it. But before we continue, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Ariana Greenbelt that played Sasha, uh, the daughter. The daughter, yeah. yeah. I think she's like 14, 15. Mad. Um, I thought she put in a really good performance. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Really really she was dope. Man. Agree. Um, and I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't only imagine someone being like fourteen and you have such a pivotal role for a show and to be able to give <coughs> that performance for how many scenes, how many scenes you are in. Yeah, so um, pick up her. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, Warner Brothers done on purpose, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, film review. Uh, out of ten, what is our rating for Barbie? All right, go on. Then. Who's first? I don't you know what? I want to guess first. 
Mm-hmm. You want me first? Yeah. Uh, I'd give it like a high six. Shit, then. Yo, this is official post credit scene podcast. Guys hates women, guys. Okay. We've already confirmed that Manny hates, <laughs> uh, Manny hates all Muslims, right? And then now. <laughs> That's a, that's a crazy narrative to throw out there. Can't hold it. High six for me, definitely. Um, I'm giving it a seven. Oh, so we're not too far apart. Yeah, I'm giving it a strong seven. Oh, seven, seven, a strong seven, yeah? Seven, 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 one, five. Okay. Yeah. 8.4. Oh, that's high. Yeah, I thought for what it was, I thought it was great. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, for what it was, I thought it was great. And I think for that reason, it should be high. And I started... By the way, guys, yeah, I started to, to taking my film quick critiquing thing proper proper so I, I i have scores in my head now like how it how it gets points now do you know what i'm saying okay. i think it just it's done well for me in that category it shocked me uh maybe it's recency bias but i always give two points for recency bias so it might be like an 8.2 in like a few months time but right now it's a, 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 a 8.4 for me well, yeah I, I went for high six um why because i really enjoyed it and i don't think six is a bad score and i think people have i don't think it is no um and i, I it's not something i would step generally go, go to watch i think i went to watch it because of um the, the the themes that i got you know that were fed into the media about it prior which i was like oh this is a bit more it's tonally more serious than you'd think it is yeah especially, in terms especially of its at messaging. the end especially at the end in terms of its messaging uh the, the acting was great i love the narration um and by the way the kens were essentially method acting i thought the kens were really good man. which is what we, like the they, they didn't have a a foundation to work off, you know what I mean? Okay. Like the like the Barbies did. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, I just I, again I I don't think six is a bad score, and I think it's close to seven. What I the reason why I've decided to go with a high six is because I always tend to when I watch I think again my review my my thoughts on it always tend to drop off slightly for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm going to stick with a six for now. If I watch it again and I change, we can probably review it at the end of the year in terms of go back and see what our thoughts were. But yeah, I'm going to go high six. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said seven, right? Mm-hmm. So what flat seven? It's seven 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 point five. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's around there, isn't it? That's good. That's yeah. You, we all like the film. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, that's our segment done. Boom. This is a post-credit scene podcast brought to you by Fourteen HQ. So, <clears throat> I'd uh, interestingly, I'm a stats man. I love my stats. Yeah, man. Um, we love that, bro. So, worldwide opening weekend estimates for Barbenheimer. Barbie is estimated to make three hundred million dollars this uh, this weekend. Shout out to Grail. And um, Oppenheimer is estimated to make one hundred and sixty-five million dollars over the weekend, which will be one of the biggest weekends in box office history. As Manny said, Manny, you did say you are delighted that uh, Warner Bros. decided to absolutely uh, go to battle with Universal. If that's the case, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how those actually pan out at the end of the weekend because uh, there's obviously another day to go. But my cinema was Oppenheimer, fucking packed. packed. Barbie, the first yeah. time I've sat next to someone in a cinema that I didn't want, that I didn't like know in years, years. And I'm a cinema goer by myself, too. Yeah. So um, whenever I go, there's no, no one by me. Barbie, I had someone sit next to me. It was a bit weird. It was like, well, yeah, yeah. like, what you, like, and he, he was talking to his girlfriend. I was getting a bit vexed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I sat, I sat next to two couples and for Barbie, and I went by myself as well. Uh, I was in, I was in Lux in the market. I was like, oh, relaxing that, and um, they were talking to me, um, not like, not like during the film, just like right 
uh, before it, okay, she, she was like, what's up? Are you like a Barbie fan? And then started laughing because obviously like it was just me, didn't it? Like, <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm just, I told her that I was, that I was a film critic. And then she was like, oh my God, for who? I was like, Post-Curiosity Podcast. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, it was, it was a good experience for me. Yeah, my, my cinema is typically like really, really quiet. It was still like really? quiet-ish, but it was way more people than before. Like I, again, I had people sit next to me. The signs to go to cinema, like in a new film come out, and I go watch like at 10 a.m. That's when I went to watch Barbie. I'll be like five people there. If that, this time was leaked like 20, possibly. Bro, Wait, what what cinema do you go to? Cinema World by St. Ilford. Is it not, is it not, not, is it not like a big screen? No, the screen's not big there. No offense, obviously. The, the, it's, it's fine. It's just, it's just like, it's just in Ilford. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just more location than uh, anything else. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, um, like, at least 10 screens. I think it's like 14 screens. That's like, that's best, and, and, and I go at the weirdest time. I went at 10 a.m. Yeah, you do go. You're on early cinema go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I just, that's just the only time I had to go. If, if I didn't go at that time, I wouldn't be able to watch the film. Oh, fair enough. I feel like you are on early. I watched Maybe Oppenheimer at 11 p.m. No, Oppenheimer, I watched that. Um, it was at 6.30. I went to watch it. Um, I watched that at 11 p.m., bro. I left cinema at 2.45 in, in, in the fucking yeah. But yeah, typically, I don't like I, I don't like the idea of going cinema into the dark room, come out and it's light outside. Mm. But I, if it wasn't for the pod, I promise you, I would never go to cinema in the morning. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. I've been going to cinema a lot on my own recently. It's, it's been fun. No, going alone is fine. Like I, I don't mind that at all. Um, and I got the Odeon membership now, the Lux thing. So I just go there all, all the time and sit back and relax. Ah, oh, it's amazing, bro. Yes. Uh, Manny, yes, you bro. are um, our Christopher Nolan resident. Like Sir? in terms of you know, I know you're a fan of his discography alongside. And you, you fuck you don't stop going on the back, Jonathan Nolan. I fucking got it. Um, but you're a fan of, of the Nolan brothers as a cinema. Before you continue, make there's, a, there's a third brother. Interesting. There's a third brother. Uh, I, I think yeah. it's I think it's Nathan. Bro, this, this is not a fun story. I think it's called I think it's Nathan Nolan. I might, I might be wrong. I need to look that up. So guess what his profession is? Oh no. Oh, no. Let's take a wild guess. Jeffrey Epstein's boy? No, no, no. It's not that. Okay, thank God. Okay. Um, a painter. Hitman. He's a hitman. He's a, a hitman. Uh, As in, like, he's, he's a hitman. So I think um, like in the early 2000s, um, so I don't know, some accountant felt like he got robbed by one of his partners. Um, then eventually they hired one of the Lonan brothers to to assassinate my man. And I think like 2009, he got um, arrested for it with Joe, so on and so forth. But what the, not funny, but the most interesting fact on the back of it um, um, Nolan's um, like code name was Oppenheimer. Oh no, bro! Yeah, <laughs> this this is a real thing. He's put, <laughs> he's put a dark twist in the disguise. Oh no! But yeah, just a, just a little um, not so fun fun fact. No, it's still a fact. It's yeah. interesting. I think it's pretty cool. But yeah, sorry, gone. No, no, no. That puts everything into perspective. Oh yeah, what I was going to say to you is I know you're a fan of the Nolans. Um, so just talk to me about your your sort of. Knowledge of Christopher and Jonathan yeah. Nolan, their their work and their background. Briefly, if you can, and then we'll get into open arms. So I'll be as brief as I possibly can, being the super fan that I am. Um, Christopher Nolan. Um, Thanks for that. So yeah, super um, great director. Definitely. Um, I think one thing that he's always been great at is um, building anticipation and tension within his scenes. Mm. I think there's not a director that does that a better job than that. That I I, I personally like, um, and I think that his stories are always really interesting. Uh, but one thing that I've always thought to Christopher Nolan on is that sometimes I feel like the premise of his stories are great, but sometimes mm-hmm. they can feel a bit 
MT sometimes really? like drag, yeah, and um, I'm talking about uh, Christopher Nolan yeah. specifically. So when I look, so what I know. What film would you use as Inception. an example of that? Okay, cool, cool. Like, do you like that film though? I, I, I think it's a good film. I, I think people, what? I think people will love it way more than I do. I think the premise of Inception is one of the best premises for a film I've ever watched. Uh, but I think like a the lot execution. of the, yeah, I think execution, a lot that happens in between is okay. Okay. I, I think it's a good film. I just don't think it's as great as, as other people. As Inception other people was between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, right? Uh, it came out in 2010, 2011. Yeah, so that was, so, yeah. so interestingly, he obviously made Dark Knight in 2000, well, it came out in 2008, um, and then they approached him to do the, the trilogy. I think at the time he wanted to, he wanted to make the film about Leonardo, he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio as the Riddler. Um, they approached, <sighs> yeah, they approached him. He didn't want to do a third film at first. Yeah. Um, like if he was going to do one, I think he wanted obviously a follow-up. Of, it was, I think there was going to be another Joker involved. Oh, Joker again, sorry, yeah. so he would have come back. Obviously, for for the reasons we all know why he didn't, um, but he wanted to do. He did, if he agreed to do a third film, he said to Warner that he wanted to have a break in between Dark Knight and Dark Knight. Right. Well, now it's Dark Knight Rises, um, and I think that's when he created that Inception. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, back on Jonathan and Christopher quickly. I'll be, I'll be quick. Like a lot of my favorite Nolan films, actually are written by Jonathan Nolan. So Memento, Prestige, um, the two Dark Knight films, he he, he played a part. Oh, he wasn't right? involved with Batman Begins. He wasn't involved. He wasn't credited for Batman Begins. Okay, no, he wasn't involved. Um, I like I like Batman Begins. By the way, I thought Me too. And and Interstellar. Uh, so those are literally my favorite. Um, it says amazing, bro. I went to watch it. Um, Rooftop East. Um, um, like a few weeks ago. What an experience! I forgot how great it is. Like mm-hmm. I always liked it. But so I confusing. How though. it's not though. I don't think it. I don't think it is. Nah, it definitely took me like three watches though. Fair, fair enough. I, 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 Three happy watches. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not like mad at it. You know what I'm saying? One thing I've like, clocked with Nolan, he has a habit. He, 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 I'm not saying he does an experiment. He really uh, has a, a set, a few set few of actors that he really likes to work with. Yeah, them quite regularly. Yeah, but all best directors do, innit? Quite, oh, it's uh, not. It's uh, not. I wasn't discrediting uh, Scorsese. And, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, they always the same man, bruv. It wasn't like, a discrediting thing at all. It's just, yeah. it just something I've really noticed about him. Like in Nolan's, Christopher Nolan's first film, The Following, uh, came out in 98, that had four characters in it. Um, one of the characters was his uncle, who was, who was a professional actor. And then there's two um, other actors, no, sorry, two other actors and an actress, I can't remember the names, but they've all appeared in other Christopher Nolan films oh. as like minor characters, like like someone at a restaurant mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah, he constantly reads his um, actors. Quick one on... Sir Michael Caine, yeah, um, the one and only. By the one and only, because this, this, this is not a, a Christopher Nolan episode, so I can just quickly get this out of the way. In obviously, he's like he's like in his late eighties now. He's I would old. assume so. Let me start. He's up. he's in he's in Tenant, and there's a scene in Tenant where um, Washington's character um, meets. Oh, he up. was a handsome chap. In his in his young days, he's yeah. uh, he's ninety now. I've okay. never seen him look like that before. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. there's a if we social couple this here, we have to put this this, this this picture up. Bloody hell! What a good looking man. Good looking chap. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where Denzel. Um, <laughs> what's what's his full name? Denzel Washington. No, it's his son. What's his full name? Uh, David Washington. David David Washington, David, yeah. um, David Washington uh, meets up with somebody called Sir Michael uh, Cambry or Cambry or something. Uh, obviously it's Sir Michael Caine, mm. and they just have this one scene together. And as he leaves, he says, goodbye, Sir Michael. And then looks at the camera and cuts. Ah, oh, sick. And then, like, right away, it hit me. It's like, bro, is this Nolan saying, telling us to say goodbye to Sir Michael as cameos? Because like, uh, obviously he's, he's late, he's late, late. late. he's going to retire at some point. And then obviously it went to cookie searches. Like, people are saying that, yeah, this is, that's the last time Sir Michael Caine will ever be in a 
Christopher Nolan film. And obviously he's been in Bears. He's been in the Batman trilogy as yeah. um, as Alfred. Alfred he's been yeah. um, in the Prestige, greatest film of all time. Um, <laughs> he's been in Interstellar. Um, and obviously now Tenant, um, it was was he he was in Inception as well as the mm. professors. So yeah, so I think that goodbye, Sir Michael, is like literally became one of my favorite mm. scenes in, in cinema ever, even though I didn't watch it in cinema. Um, I don't know, it just it, just, it made me feel warm. <laughs> happy one, man's gonna yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Nolan, Nolan's a superb director, man. Um, the, the hype for Oppenheimer has been building. I think obviously the film was announced in 2021, or the project was announced in 2021. Don't trip, son. Don't trip, son. With our cameraman about to fall over, I've done him to hurt himself. Charles, Charles. He's been on too many hennies. Um, Oppenheimer is a 2023 epic biographical drama film written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It's based on the 2005 biography um, American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherman. Um, and the film chronicles the life of Robert Oppenheimer. Maybe I, because sh- I'm a history guy, I studied it in school, so I feel like I should, yeah, and I feel like I probably did come across the name Oppenheimer prior, just because of what I studied. Um, but I actually didn't know too much about Oppenheimer. So this film, as an experience, firstly, was such a like. Obviously, I know it's from one perspective. It was uh, it was such a good learning opportunity for myself, and I found that, let alone the, the excitement of the fact that Nolan's directing this film. Aside from the fact that the cast is as star-studded as you probably ever see, and sometimes I don't really get excited about ensemble casts because I casts because you can put all these great actors together, but what's the story that you're yeah. telling them, and what's the roles you're giving them, what's the direction that you're giving them? Also, like a lot of the time with these massive ensemble casts, like they all expect to play like a bigger role than they are. But I, f- I feel like the power of what Nolan done, which was, which was probably the most beautiful thing for me, is that he made them all believe in the project, whether they had one line, two lines, whether they were just you know doing a facial expression in a scene or or, or partnering up or <coughs> helping or or assisting a, uh, a someone else convey an an emotional message or to help through the dialogue, etc they all took that role well and 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 that's what for me was the most beautiful thing you had you, you had what five six um actors in there that have their own lead films have have their own lead series and that kind of stuff and they all accepted one scene or half a scene or two i think, scenes. I think for example like rami malik uh, he was barely in the film up until the third act and then in the third act yeah. he is such an important role he's in such the film. an important and it was role. it was really well it was really well executed i was kind of like this is rami malik like, he should be more prominent but it worked. Even thingy, bro. Even even someone like uh, Josh Peck, you know, like he played the person that pressed the button for the test. You know, what I mean, that's a massive thing. You know, yeah, I mean yeah. that, and he had what three lines. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just like the I- emotion he c- conveyed in that scene where it, it was like, if you press this button, like the pressure of that is just unspeakable. If you press this button in the wrong time and it spikes, mm-hmm. or you do it too early, or whatever it is, we could all die. You know what I mean, and he's he's done it, and and yeah, even that's what two lines of in this rest of it were just aura, mm, definitely. Then gone, Manny. I, th- I think Nolan does that well in general, like getting big casts and giving them a very small role where they execute. But it could still be so important. Ex- right? Exactly. Like Matt Damon's in Interstellar, is in like four scenes, and that all takes place in like a ten minute period. Do you remember yeah. when we recorded a? Uh, an episode about air and then we said oh matt damon is like slightly one of our favorite actors but it was like we didn't really realize we did it 100 and i felt the same He's way hard. when i watched barbie and wolf and i kept the wolf Ferrell wolf, 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 wolf Ferrell, sorry were all, no, yeah, all good man were all funny to me and it's like bro like it, it actually yeah. is one of my favorite actors <laughs> yeah definitely definitely um let me just give a bit of a premise about the film and then we can deep dive into uh, what we think about it 
Robert Oppenheimer was a theoretical physicist who was pivotal in developing the first nuclear weapons as part of the Manhattan Project and thereby ushering in the atomic age. Cillian Murphy stars as the character with Emily Blunt as Oppenheimer. Yo, Killian. Killian, Killian Murphy, apologies. Uh, no, uh, you know what? That is, that is something I've always just been, I've always said Cillian, so yeah. They're no, saying, but um, Margot Robbie got corrected she corrected a journalist like two weeks ago and she said to the journalist I swear to god I, I only found out on set for years she was saying um uh, yeah <laughs> i said it's a different uh, it's an irish pronunciation obviously he is irish so, yeah yeah uh, no disrespect intended emily Great. blunt as Oppenheimer's wife catherine kitty Oppenheimer, matt damon as general leslie oh, rose god. as Oppenheimer's military handler robert downey jr wow oh wow 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 as lewis strauss he was incredible <sighs> We'll talk about him in the third act, especially. Wow, superb acting performance. One of my favorites of the of the film for sure. Who uh, Louis Strauss was a senior member of the United States Atomic Energy Commission, and the supporting cast. Imagine saying your supporting cast includes someone like Florence Pugh, Josh Hardy, she was cold. Cassie Affleck, cold. Rami Malek, cold. Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh was cold. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, first thoughts on the film, Manny. I'm going to go to you because I feel man. like. Uh, yeah, you was definitely the most excited out of us. Oh, yeah, man. Just yeah, just give us your, your thoughts. I'm even gonna put the laptop down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right off the bat, this is definitely my top four bare minimum, possibly top three, um, Christopher Nolan um, films. And this is no small feat because I'm a big I'm Nolan. a big fan of of, of his films, and um, I've been a big fan for for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oppenheimer. It was three hours long. It's very dialogue heavy. Did it feel three hours long, bro? Not at all. And that's that's, no. that's and that's what I was gonna get to. Is like, it's like not once was I checking my time, my, my watch, see um, how, how long is left. Like ev- every single scene was um, felt like very intentional. And one thing that I absolutely loved um, about the film is that what I thought the film was about, it wasn't about that. Yeah. Um, f- like, f- like the obviously at the, at the beginning of the film. And love about it. We get um, quite a bit of dialogue from Robbie Downey Jr.'s um, character, um, Louis Strauss, um, and then we get like quite a lot of like, Nolan loves um, breaking up his timelines. He loves it. Literally does it in every single. Film. I think it works brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it works so. Yeah, and I think this is apart from probably Memento. Mm-hmm. This is probably the best executed. The, the best executed in regards to breaking up he, timelines. He got asked about that. He, he actually explained it. He said the reason why he, he said yes, he's done it in his previous films. But he said the reason why this one is a little bit different. He is doing it, but he said that the reason why it's a little bit different is it's because he tried to follow um, or parallel the chain reaction that an atomic bomb causes. So, okay. he, so he, he he was saying like the scenes were all broken up in a chain reaction, where it's like, whereas like even though it was different timelines every scene that affected. followed it affected the next one and 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 that's what he was he was trying to do so um he's he's noticed that and he just added to it yeah and i think if you like because i watched the following recently and memento recently you can see the evolution of him as a director in how he cuts up these scenes as well and Hell yeah. and the important and even the use of of black and white like he oh, he's done it throughout like his very first film was all black and white memento he splits it into color and black and white by showing yeah. uh, the significance of um where the which time which part of the timeline you're you're, you're in the film and he does a really good job um on here but yeah just going back to like, sorry 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 the the, uh, the black and white by the way um 
the 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 black and white was because this, the the whole film is 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 filmed in a first person aspect of of uh, Oppenheimer. That's why you don't see the Hiroshima bombings and, yep. and like because he didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? So it was all on first perspective. The black and white scenes only feature St- uh, 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 Strauss yep. because. Um, it was from every single every single black and white scene was from Strauss's perspective. Yeah. And that's why it was black and white. Yep. This is a post credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ. Yeah. Um, as, I, as I was saying earlier, like one thing that I really enjoy about the film and what I realised like during the third act, like the film isn't about what a film will be about. Before, well, okay, don't tell us what it is about, but what did you think it would be about? Um, and I'm talking about while I was watching the film. So while like, in, in the middle of the film, like, like this film was going to the, yeah, down yeah. the direction of, um, I guess, the implication of, essentially the implication of knowledge and, and the responsibility that somebody of X amount of knowledge has um, to the rest of the world. Because there's a quote in the film uh, where it says that, um, I think uh, Prometheus, he, he, gave, he gave humans the power to destroy themselves. And that's essentially what Oppenheimer was doing, was yeah. creating um, was creating the atomic bomb and could potentially lead down the road of... And giving it to people who don't really have a knowledge of how catas- catastrophic it could be, right? Yeah, and not even caring about the, um, the yeah. amount of sacrifices that uh, creating such a thing would have, or using such a thing um, would have. So even though we did get that like, right at the end, like that's what I thought the direction of the film was going to go and end with. Right. Um, but what the actual um, what I feel like the, not the, actual, the whole thing but the underlying film about the film is something that Lauren loves to do is uh, what he did in the prestige we absolutely loved and kind of did it in Memento as well is having this narrative of two men against each other yeah, which essentially Oppenheimer versus Strauss, Strauss. and that's what the last act was really about <sighs> was them two them two trying to outmaneuver my favourite part of that film um, and they weren't even in the same Room. They weren't in the same room, but and and I think that's the brilliance of it. And and you couldn't do that final part without the performance of Ronnie Robbie, Ronnie Danny Junior. Did you say Rodney? Who the hell's Rodney, fam? I don't know who Rodney is. I don't know who Ronnie is. Okay, <laughs> he's gonna say Robert. Rudy. We're not dealing in secret invasions. You know what I'm saying? Okay, have respect for Iron Man himself. All right, no, he see, g- now you need to. Have he respect. gave his life for us. So you need to stop doing this Marvel thing, bro. He gave his life for us. That's all he knows. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, performance in the final act is essentially what changed my... Not like... Uh, I was enjoying the film, and but it changed the perspective in the way that I looked bro, at the film. His performance took my enjoyment levels of this film from like a, a mid-eight to like a high nine, bro. Like, like, I thought he was sensational. And I love the fact that he only really needed the third act to yeah. really put on that acting clinic even though he was good in the film prior. Because obviously all the reviews, right? Robert Downey Jr. supporting lead actor, Oscars next year. Book it, book it, book it. I was kind of watching the film, I was like, yeah, no, he's, he's cool. He's cool. He's cool, <laughs> he's cool man. <laughs> and then the third act, and again, we'll, we'll get there, but... Steroids, fam. The, the, and again, he didn't even have to speak much. He didn't. He was, his acting with his facial expressions, for me, and uh, particularly when we find out his true motives, and yeah. it becomes clear what he was trying to do. That's when I was like, "This guy is a is a is acting genius." It was superb. Bro, it was brilliant. I, I think I've I've never put Robert Downey Jr. in my top five yeah, actors of all time just because he's played one role for so long. And obviously, he did play other roles like in Sherlock Holmes, whatever. But he played one role predominantly for so long. And he, even though I'm a secretly a fan of Marvel and that, yeah, yeah secretly, okay, um, I can't put him. 
it as my top five because I need to see him in different roles. I think this film reminded me of how dope he is. Okay. You know what I mean? And like, reminded me, yeah, he played a character for so long, but he played that character very well and he's also playing this very, very, very well. There was an interesting quote from Christopher Nolan. I'm going to try and find it, but let me try and paraphrase um, before. Was it, was uh, it about him? It was about... Well, do you want me to talk before and two together? Uh... You can do if you want to, yeah, yeah. Um, no, actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a paraphrase in my head. He said something along the lines of the fact that he was really impressed with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, and he's changed cinema with, I his, saw that. with his acting performance. However, he asked Robert Downey Jr. to take away the superstar sort of aura and presence that he has yeah. and really just brand himself yeah. in Lewis Strauss. And I think he did that superb. Don't get me wrong, you could see he was, you know, in Iron Man, for example, Iron Man's character kind of, you'd argue align somewhat with Robert Downey Jr. in terms of the egotistical, well, that very, was the self, point, very right? self-aware yeah. of the fact that you are very talented and very good at what you do. Um, and I, but I could, I could just see he really immersed himself in the character of Strauss. Yeah. And I loved it. I, lo- I loved it. And, and, and a quote from Chris Nolan, he said that um, Robert Downey Jr. being hired as, as Iron Man was the greatest uh, move in cinema history. You know what I mean? And, and I think that was that was the point to be like, like to have actors born for certain roles. Okay, is 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 like a is like a mad concept to think of. And in Oppenheimer, he he played a role where instead of being like you said, like the front facing famous one, he was fighting for the infamy. He was fighting to be loved and hated. You know, he was fighting for I guess what Iron Man was for years. Okay. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. And there's a, even a quote, um can't remember what the quote was, but saying like how some people were um like some people in power tried to um reach the sun while the people in, in actual power hide in the shadows. Yeah, cold. That was a cold bar. But even just a bit on uh Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, um I'm re- I'm recently watching a show called um The Morning Show that has um, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon and yeah. Steve Carell in it. You're, you're leaking group chat information, bro. The voice note. Oh, well, how's that leaking? I'm being dumb. It's a, it's a phrase that Ira uses. Oh, Leak it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So something that I said to you, um, um, guys and a few other people. Um, so Steve, Steve Carell's character, um, get that right at the beginning of, of the episodes, that he gets accused of sexual misconduct um, um, within, he works, he's an anchor man that works on that. It's like essentially, what's his name? Uh, Holly Willabow and um, Will it be? Will it be? Hello, Will it be? And my other guy, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Schofield. Philip Schofield. Philip Schofield. Philip Schofield. Yeah, but throughout the whole um, first season that I watched, is that I couldn't shake Michael Scott off him. I couldn't. Really? Like, like, I, yeah. That's gone some time ago for me, man. But, but he's done bare, like, like like dramatic roles. It's it's, it's not just about Box that. It's that like the type of ca- this character felt like Michael uh, Scott with consequences. That's interesting. That's that's what that's what it felt like. Interesting. Um, okay. But he, he does a brilliant job, so on and so forth. But just to link it back to Robert Downey Jr. is that um, when I was watching um, Steve Carell in this role, he does a good role. But yeah, I saw like a Michael Scott a lot. When I watched Robert Downey Jr. on uh, in Oppenheimer as um, a Strauss, yeah, I forgot. I forgot everything yeah. about Within him. like five minutes. Uh, every, uh, like, from the moment I saw his his face from at the beginning and he started talking, I am ending coming to my head once throughout the whole film. Now it took me like after, do you remember when after he introduced, or not introduced, but after like 
Einstein and um, and uh, Oppenheimer were, were, yeah. were talking in the pond, like you know, like near the start. And then he walked away from him. After that moment, he changed me. But when he was pitching Princeton and that kind of stuff and blah blah blah, he, he did remind me a little bit of this rich, flamboyant guy. And then after the, after that moment where he was like, "What just happened?" Then it, it, I forgot he was like after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, quick question for myself. I want to I want us to discuss the the challenges and the responsibility of portraying a real life figure with such a complex legacy yeah. uh, in, in Oppenheimer and, and your thoughts on how Nolan and the cast did that and you know gave us this, this spectacle of a film. Um, they kept it vague. I, I think, I think they've done a good job in terms of um, bringing up the heinous crime that was dropping those bombs um, at uh, Hiroshima and Dava City, um, my four, I can't remember, but both in Japan. I think, you, I think, you, I think you just worded it wrong there. Well, I think that's the point. That I don't know, guys, you know, correct me if, if if I'm wrong. But to be like, oh, uh, you know, they did a good job, like uh, I think bringing up the the heinous crimes. The whole film was based on whether it was a crime or not. Oh, so it was Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. Nagasaki. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I, the, I don't the, think what the, that, that's what the whole film. The was whole about. film is an ethical question. It is, man. Like, it's not about like, oh yeah, this is definitely a bad thing. I don't think that's what it's about at all. I've, I think, I think it, it's 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 the question of heroes and villains and uh, what's saying right and wrong in that time, and for the and, and for the rest of like Earth's history. You, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on the heroes and the villains thing. And the reason I say that is because. From the, I guess I get you, but I think from the, the perspective of the Americans and the way they were celebrating, for example, the success of the... It was horrible. From, from, a, from a neutral perspective, it's horrible. Yeah. Exactly. But from an American p- p- perspective, after five years of war, millions of people lost. But I think- Hitler's finally dead, right? And then the Japanese still fight on. And then Truman had to make a choice. Do we send two, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand more troops to finish this last wave of Japanese people that continued fighting in World War Two in, in 1995, sorry, 1945, sorry. You know, or do we take this new concept of the atom bomb, kill 20, 30,000 people to scare them? You know, it wasn't meant to wipe everyone out, right? To, to, uh, to scare them. Uh, to scare them was to kill thousands and thousands of people. No, sorry, as in, as in, like, I guess to scare of, Japan of, as a, as a whole nation. Yeah, but I, yeah. So, like, to answer what I was answering, guys, question in regards to like how they portrayed it in, in regards in the to the yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think they did a good job to show that it was heinous, and not only with them um, talking about um, the casualty that they have, and also the uh, conflict that Oppenheimer uh, constantly had throughout the film, and also the shot of when he was um, congratulating the. Their team, uh, I can't remember, Los Almas, whatever that, that mm. place is called. Los, and co- Los Almas, yeah. And co- constantly got scenes of like burning, people dying, so on and so forth. And we also have um, Kitty, um, um, Emily Blunt's character, mentioned. Right away. Perform- performance. Right away, bro. Performance. She performed. Oh, Sorry, I had to. I, I no, 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 that's fine. Bro. She performed, bro. Bro. 
She performed, bro. Rent, rent was due. Bro, she podded. Bro, she she done yeah. bits, bro. She, she, bro, but yeah, like even her interaction towards the end saying that, because uh, throughout the whole um, uh, film, she was saying that, fight back, fight back, fight back. And then says, oh, just because you think you, do, you want fighting back to them, that people are going to forgive you for what you did. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And even towards the end of the that film. That was clearly his intentions, though, is as yeah. he wasn't fighting back. And I loved, I loved, I loved that. And even at the end of the film, like throughout, throughout the, um, there was like a near 0% chance of creating shame reaction that would destroy the rest of the world. And then um, open up an eye um, says at the end uh, when he was talking to Einstein he's saying that oh, remember when we looked at the calculation and we thought that this bomb might cause a chain reaction to destroy the whole world mm-hmm. and and luckily it didn't happen he goes I think we did and I think like all these all these things combined showcase that what like, it, like no one uh, explicitly saying that what they did was wrong mm-hmm. okay wait 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 okay but that it, what you said today exactly proved my point a little bit. You know, he, he was saying he goes, we we did uh, destroy the world, right? But at the same time as well, okay, the question that Nolan asked towards the end, which I thought was a beautiful question, okay, to even ask it okay, was that did 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 it also save the world? Okay, not in regards. I don't think you asked that question. No, uh, wait, wait, wait. Not not because of the the world war. Okay, forget that. Did he save the world moving forward? The only reason why today, in in in, in political terms, that we that we haven't had a World War Three, that that after that we you know we had the Cold War, which was fought quietly in the background without troops fighting each other. Okay, but the reason why is because every country got their own atom or nuclear warhead or whatever it was and it became a system of safety upon fear right so now people don't bomb each other because they know that if they do everyone can just do the same thing and then the whole world is 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 destroyed so is the creation i think the the question was is the creation of, of the atom bomb the worst thing to ever happen or the best thing to ever happen because the reason why we haven't broken into world uh, wars is because everyone has one of these bombs and because people are not fighting in trenches and the troops they have a bomb that can just go bat, bat. i think um is that why i think it's interesting that you unfortunately from from bad things in life and good things uh, in this instance obviously the, the bombing being quote unquote a bad thing and i'm sure there's a more catastrophic there's a i'm sure catastrophic is probably the better word to use I think you can you can I guess learn from those things and I yeah. guess in that instance you have a point but I think the wider message of the film had to be the the darker aspect of it right the catastrophic aspect of the bombing and and the, and the negative impact it had whilst also On, there being some potential learning opportunity and light from such a like some even just the scenes and they didn't rep it we didn't get to see the perspective of the Japanese but even the scenes of uh, where we're seeing like the, the people's like, the, skin peeling yeah like like for me that gave us even a glimpse of what just a tiny glimpse of, of the trauma and the, and the and the i don't know what other words i have for it but um yeah i, I think the wider message is the negative and the, and the darker aspects of, of the bombing i can't like but uh, I, I just i just i just hear what you guys are saying and I think when you ask a question you either lean I don't think there has to be one message is my point I guess exactly yeah and I think when you ask a question I think you you naturally lean towards either side of it and I think with a film like this which is so beautiful okay is that like 
it's, it depends on, on what type of person you are. Like I read a tweet, okay, someone was saying if you are like a very sensitive, emotionally driven person, like you you come out of that film and you and you may have like very strong feelings towards like Oppenheimer. If you're a very like theoretical uh, person or blah blah, you may cut you, you may come out of that okay, being like, oh okay, how do we see it now? You know, okay, how does it impact us now? I, I think depending on who you are, you come out of, of that film feeling in various uh, different ways, and I think that's because of the of the questions ethically that that were that were uh, being asked that's how i portrayed it i do think um nolan did a good job and and killian murphy um not Cillian, killian i think i think they did a good job of giving us the differing a, a different perspective of Oppenheimer as a character um just through especially the final act where as you mentioned he kind of didn't fight back in the trial because he yeah. He came to the realization that what he had created wasn't of benefit to the, uh, <clears throat> to society and, and to life. Well, he's, he spent fifteen years right. fighting the war councils, you know, about <coughs> excuse uh, me about about, about um, creating dangers, weapons yeah. of mass um, destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But even with that, so my thing with Oppenheimer, I don't think the issue necessarily was just the fact that he didn't want mass weapons. Mean, uh, created you mean after after I think part of it might have been like because it wasn't him doing it because there's like throughout the film they, they constantly showed that I don't know the, the, he even um, who's the guy that interrogates him uh, throughout the thing I'm gonna, he done such a great job um, oh, what film is he also in he's in he's in bad films bro he's in he's in the new pad there's, there's a particular film I'm um, trying to think of but he is sensational in it man I mean, it's escaping me yeah yeah playing uh, uh roger rob and he was interrogating about the uh hadrigan the h-bomb yeah, that yeah. was meant to be um and created and Oppenheimer was against it event because throughout the whole um film we like i i like i get the percent i know some people um i suggest that that shine a good light on Oppenheimer. I felt like he was a self-indulged piece of shit. Frat, Oh my god! Was self-indulged well, thousand piece of shit. Um, and he had this air of, I'm, 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 I'm great. I'm greater arrogance. than men. Arrogance, level of arrogance, and even said something about, I can't remember what um, Emily Blunt uh, character Kitty said, said to him, but he said something on the lines of, it no, it wasn't even Emily Blunt. I think it was Florence Pugh character, uh, and and he said something on the lines of, brilliance buys you time. Or something on this line, mm-hmm. so that so throughout the whole film, we get like a level of like ridiculous arrogance from him. And he was also a womanizer, he loved which him. was mentioned in the film. It was actually mentioned, yeah, by, yeah. Uh, I think it was on the trial, I yeah, think. on the trial. Was like that's but that was part of his um, I guess the report, yeah, 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 yeah. report that they have. So, and I think um, there's like suggestions in regards to like one of the reasons why you didn't want to you didn't want to take on the uh, suggestion of Korean Hadrian is because you wouldn't get the, the piece for it, for it the accolades yeah. for it you, like, you wanted to be known as the, fa- the father of the atomic bomb now there's another bomb being created that might not give you that same level of praise mm-hmm. and I think and, I, and he kept using the excuse um, in that process right and this was documented as well which I thought was really cool that Nolan put it in that he kept using the excuse of like we don't get to make the choice of how it's used we just do it because we're scientists and, da, 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 da. and then his boy uh, uh, Robbie who ends up being the director of uh, science after him okay precedes him okay says to him before don't do it because they need us now until they don't until yeah. they don't need you 
Yeah. No, that's I, a good point. Love the. No, such a, I need to rewatch this film in Iron Man. Yeah, so. Um, the quote that you were trying to say earlier, it was like, he says, now I am, uh, he goes, now I am death, the destroyer of, of worlds. No, that's, that's a different quote. I was thinking the Prometheus one. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. Prometheus get men the power to destroy themselves. <sighs> Great film. Gus? Um, Hindu scripture. There's there's so much to get into. I thought as one of the things I have to uh, praise Killian Murphy for was the fact that he's in almost every single scene in this film. Yeah, and you you don't get the feeling of any sort of fatigue or or you know a, a lacking in his performance. Every yeah, single right. scene he's in is a scene that's worth being there, and you can kind of see the. Uh, and he's again he's one of those actors who have the superb ability to act with their facial expressions and, yeah. and and when they do speak it's 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 worth the time but their their his skill and i guess what he's mastered and it might just be due to you know his facial features it's something that's spoken about a lot he's deep blue eyes and blah 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 mm. but like, his acting with his facial expressions is, is sensational and every single scene is a scene that's worth him being there and, I, I re- and then carrying that weight of being in every single scene as well isn't easy it takes a very talented actor uh, and I think he he definitely displays that skill. He he was smiling. Someone tweeted that Killian Murphy be leering, staring, oh, yeah, glaring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That man never peaks, glances, or looks. I find yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know like you're absolutely right? You know, and um, I, I I I I think like going back and still staying on on the same topic. Uh, Strauss has seen you know right at the end when eventually he gets caught out and that kind of stuff you know and, and he kind of like admits to you know being the person that gave, that, that gave the file to Rob and stuff uh, to um, uh, Roger Rob and that um, and he and he says like he's, he talks about Oppenheimer and, and he says like he never once says that he regrets it. And people don't bring that up, right? And then um, it's actually the the reason why they put it in. Okay, like like I found out was because in one of his like memoirs, it's one of the first things he says. Like he says this, like he he like admits and says that I've never regretted it. Do you know what I mean? Like I've never actually regretted making the bomb. That makes sense because he's a scientist. You want to push science to its boundaries. Yeah, but then. That's where like the American people at the time, okay, where he where he was automatically famous or blah, blah, they were like, do do we love him or do we hate him, right? And then the point was was that no matter what he done, he gained this level of infamy automatically, immediately. Whereas Strauss wanted that for years, he went up the ranks, done everything he could, da, 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 da. but because scientists kept showing him up, you know, um, for Einstein first, and then um, uh, uh, um, Oppenheimer, and it was it, it it created this whole thing of like it didn't actually matter what the uh, what the American people wanted. And Truman, by the way, played by fucking uh, Gary Oldman, Truman that that speech in the in the Oval Office, <clears throat> incredible, yeah. Incredible. Um, just wanted to double back on um, on on sit on Killian, where I felt like was that Killian Murphy. Um, yeah. Where like you could kind of, especially into the second and third act, you could see, you could kind of feel the weight of the world on his character's shoulders. And again, that goes back to his uh, his ability to act with his facial expressions. I was just really mesmerized by his performance, man. And again, this is again, I saw the I saw the interview with him and Robert Downey Jr. and. They, 
Robert Downey Jr. was unintentionally, arguably condescending in like, this is your first movie where you're carrying the weight of the, of the film. I don't think he meant it in a condescending way. Well, he said it, innit? Um, Killian uh, Murphy had like a little private joke with Chris Godin. <coughs> he was like, you've used me in so many films, but you've never made me the, the, the lead. The, yeah, the, the lead. And Nolan went on to suggest, and obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but he went on to like suggest that it was part of his like greater plan, that he was like, you were always going to be a lead in one of my films which is about timing mm-hmm. do, you, um, do you know what I mean so like it's when we do say like a lot of these directors use the same actors okay like it's beautiful to you but there is maybe like a bigger plan there you know where so some of them can swap places you know <laughs> and <coughs> so yeah man it's dope um, thought on the cinematography of the film and it's visuals it's visual um, impact on, on both of you well isn't it said that they shot it in 28 days and really shot it in 28 days and no CGI yeah that's crazy so as in the film or the what do you mean they shot it in 28 days the film was shot in 28 days wow and the film was shot in 28 days and no CGI was used everything was wrong they they, they used special effects Uh, some of the again the the way it's filmed for me some of this some of the scenes, a particular scene which everyone loves, I've seen on Twitter, the scene of Cillian Murphy, like uh, where he's, he, you can see his face, his eyes, etc. Um, and then sort of the flames erupt around him. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful scene. And there was loads of those scenes, the scenes of like the space, for example. Yeah. Um, and the way they kind of um, made it ebb and flow within the, the whole film was done masterfully for me. Yeah, but I think the film from a visual perspective was, was beautiful. What would you guys, how do you guys feel about the film? Um, yeah, I agree. And I f- and this film, like, obviously it is a Nolan film, but it's such a Nolan film. Um, from, like, again, like, when I was watching it, it reminded me a lot of his earlier stuff. Um, the follow, um, following Memento and The Prestige with not only just the type of shots that, that he had, but also the, the way that it cuts from back and forth, the use, the use of um, mm-hmm. bl- black and white, the, yeah. the extreme focus on, on characters and their relationships over the actual narrative of the the story mm-hmm. which i think that that's what i appreciate knowing the most when he actually has the interaction between characters and how the interaction developed for, for, uh, throughout the film so when i was saying earlier that the film ended up being not what i expected it was because of the relationship between strauss and and oppenheimer and even like just some of the shots that they, they had together uh, from being um in, in the house with um, my guy with the report okay yeah. um yeah, but brilliant shot. I think um, one of the things that the film does brilliantly in terms of you mentioned characters and interactions, like there's so many different relationships within the film, yeah. but it feels like there's enough time for it them all to be quite well flushed out. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, particularly the way uh, Emily Blunt's character comes to prominence in the third act and the way she kills that scene in the interrogation room. <laughs> Superb acting. Do, Superb. Uh, do you know what scene that I even love the most is earlier on when um, Edward Teller, the guy that essentially yeah. says that, um, he doesn't trust Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer to do whatever and then at the end he shakes Oppenheimer's hand yeah. and Emily Blunt's character is like why would you say I was spitting his face and then right at the end of the film when he, get, when he yeah, gets his award yeah. from the president Oppenheimer gets award Edward Teller comes shakes uh, Oppenheimer's hand Evan. and he tries to shake um, she's like nah she's like, I'm not doing that yeah, <laughs> he gives I, a look yeah, I think people thought Florence Pugh would be more of the prominent character even though she had a massively important her character had a massively did, important yeah, role Shout in Jean, terms man. of uh, his relationship with her Jean. relationship with Oppenheimer yeah, yeah. sorry what was you going to say no, I was saying Jean that doesn't yeah. um, I, I, I loved her impact on him um, and again it goes back to that Oppenheimer being a bit of a, not even a bit being a womanizer and that being a flaw of his character throughout the film um, he the, killed her definitely Huh? Oh, not well, not intentionally, but yeah. Yeah. In terms of the way 
But again, she their relationship was kind of very interesting it was as well. Toxic, isn't it? Yeah, very toxic in terms of the way. He, I feel like he. I think she wasn't. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. We. Yeah. I mentally, think... she was mentally unwell. Well, well, it was is documented in, in in real life that she had like schizophrenia right, that right, kind right. of stuff so like okay. she did you know she did, she did go through a lot and I, I um, there's a thing in, in the film where like um, it's kind of like he wanted Jean but he needed uh, Kelly yeah that, and I think that's yeah yeah you could definitely see that in the film um, the score and the sound design there's I spoke I mentioned I messaged you about this um, firstly the score and sound design is something that's prominent throughout the film yeah. um, and I think it's used particularly well in moments where we are we get close-ups of Oppenheimer's face um, and we can kind of feel they use it very well to build tension throughout the film but my favourite aspect of the sound was actually some of the silence in this film the silent moments where especially when the bomb dropped for example and the way silence was used to sort of build the tension instead of using the score to build tension silence was used mm. to build tension but when that when that bomb actually does drop mm. It makes the um, the emphatic nature of the sound so much more prominent. Yeah, I thought that was done brilliantly. But yeah, how did you guys feel about the score and the use of the sound design in in, in this film? If you don't, agree? stunning. I absolutely agree. Um, everything you said was fucking beautiful, man. Honestly, I just I I, I, I just think like it's especially when the whole like new <coughs> Mexico scenes and when they were like prepping that whole what that, that was yeah. like a that's like a twenty minute scene by the way where we're just like yes, yeah, it's just brilliant. And it's raining and all of that stuff, I and mean, like you're absolutely right. It goes in, in in and out of like it's kind of like like terror, you know. And um, Christopher Nolan describes this film as a horror film, you know. Yeah. And in some aspects, okay, like it is, you know, it is very jumpy at times. Like I don't know, like I watched it on a IMAX screen, and when it did go back, like you heard that shit, bro. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like it, it was very jumpy. Like oh, what the fuck? Mm. And even the um, one of one other like jumpy scene which was by silence as well was the sex scene you know in the um, with Florence Pugh with Florence Pugh uh, in the office where obviously you're seeing it through Kelly's eyes you're not seeing it this is not like a Kitty Kitty or Kelly Kitty Kitty Kitty, sorry you're seeing it through Kitty's eyes right where like obviously it's like like a massive metaphor but like you're seeing it through uh, through eyes but when it jumps from him clothed to not being clothed forget the sex part just that part was mad jumpy like if it just happened and it's silent and then it went zoom and you go oh shit like it was it was done so well man like they built these like little horror tropes I guess yeah yeah that's really, really sick um I, I want to know your favourite scenes each My, I'll go with mine first there was two that I loved I loved the scenes of the politicians with Oppenheimer in the room discussing the concept of actually bombing Japan in the round table yeah yeah oh wait no with sorry the, it was in the, 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 is that, is it, it was in with the military yeah, yeah 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 yeah. oh and the guy says not this town because he honeymoon. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other scene I loved was the train scene between uh, Matt Damon's character and Cillian uh, Killian we haven't really spoken about Matt Damon we kind of did but we haven't he, firstly his use of a comic relief mm. in such a you know, a dark and um, well thought out film was was superb. It was superbly, and again, I don't want to minimize him too. Comic- I saw um, someone say on Twitter like um, they've done like a thread about the history <coughs> of of the person that he's that he's playing, and he can have his own movie because obviously he built like the the, the military, the Pentagon, Pentagon, yeah, yeah and and oh, okay. you know, he he did that like I think it was based on the whole like White House 
burning down things. Leslie Groves, he played. Sorry, apologies yeah. for not getting that earlier. He played Leslie Groves. Yeah, I, I thought he was. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, you you want you want to talk about him? Come talk to me. Um, what are your thoughts on? Matt I just Demon? want to say it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, and I think what did, you, what did you enjoy about him? I, guess, um, I think the chemistry Matt Damon and Killian Murphy had on screen was actually really brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think outside of the relationship that. To be fair, um, I'm gonna go back to you, Matt, in a second. To be fair, I feel like the chemistry Killian had with all the supporting actors and on screen was, was really well. I guess that's. Um, I forgot who played the experimental uh, physicist, the one that was next door to him at Berkeley. Um, I forgot who played him, but he was outstanding too. Yeah, if my, if my laptop didn't die, I probably put that up. Yeah. I can't lie, generally speaking, I just like silly. Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh, ha- Josh Harnett, um, Cassie Affleck, Rami Malik, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Benny Sadif, like Dylan Arnold, Jason Clark, Dil- uh, someone that I'm really. Uh, a fan of his Tony Goldwyn as well. He played Gordon Gray. He was one of the. Um, he's in Scandal, uh, okay. and he was uh, one of the, uh, the guys that was doing the trial. He was sitting like sort of central mm. at the back. Um, yeah, this is the cast. Like I don't think there's anyone I can say not to. to yes, to overhype this film, there's no one that I can say lacked in their performance. Yeah, shout out to Casey Affleck for a guy that had what two scenes. He was very intimidating. You know what I mean? Which was. Uh, is that the um he played pash yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and he was he was but, he, but even with that scene do you know what made it so intimidating was matt damon's performance explaining of yeah. all, all the stuff that he did yeah even matt damon just talking about him and saying oh um building this narrative isn't it yeah and then when we actually like obviously we i think it was cutting through scenes of patch and only seeing the, the back yeah. of his head and then we're hearing uh, the dialogue of matt damon talking about him just made him a lot more sinister mm. uh, when he actually started talking and interrogating um killian's murphy character oppenheimer but yeah like again like stuff like that matt damon adds a lot to to, to the film but just having a dialogue yeah is there anything we have not spoken about that we're going to be so upset that we haven't spoken about well there's so much like and the thing is it's not even we haven't even like spoken about like the political um uh, journey that that you know he went through like till his death like you know when he was asked at that documented trial so <coughs> what's amazing is that a lot of his trials okay like the strauss one and the one that he had obviously behind like three clothes were all like recorded trials right see mm-hmm. what i'm saying so like the way that was manufactured by the way was oh fucking pure genius uh, and but like nolan had had a, had a lot of research to work with and i love him like that right because then it's actually he's not as him like yeah he he moves some stuff but um, by the way so for, for um for example uh gene uh florence Pugh's a character he moved her death by around four 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 five months to suit with the christmas party uh but she actually died way way uh, before that mm-hmm. um she died she died um a year after she met uh, Oppenheimer, but in the in the film they made it sit eighteen months. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but like, what I loved is that they stuck very true to ninety five percent of this, and you know it's great. But in that scene, and and uh, they're talking about like the trials and then that kind of stuff. Da, 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 um, I actually lost my point. I completely lost my point. What were we talking about? The, you were talking about the, the the political aspects of yes, and he talks about like. They ask him like, "Are you a communist?" You know, and stuff like that. And he says just like straight up, he's he, he's like sort of, uh, but he he doesn't know. Do you yeah, know because I mean? he he would arguably agree with some communist communist values, or because not all communist values are necessarily inherently evil or the yeah. worst thing in the world, or the yeah. you know the the thing that's going to destroy the world. Um, but I think the bigger point of that was his his um his 
kind of it seemed as though the way they were trying to portray it was his passion for Spanish refugees, for example. I think it was, and yeah, he's, was it? he's wanting to support those. So I think that the fact that again it goes back to the fact we're not all bad characters. He said money there as well. Pardon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess yeah, yeah. that tells the story of yeah, he's done a, in, a horrible thing by creating this atom bomb, whether it's intentionally or not. But doesn't make him a bad person, and people aren't necessarily bad or good. And we are black and white human. We are great human beings. So we can. And do you be- think now in 2023 that that's changed a little bit? Do you think like um, you're allowed to have like various political, religious, um, anything, op- and opinions, and still be in, in positions of, of 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 massive influence? I mean, a lot of people that are massive influence have. Um, multitudes of opinions, but a lot, but a, but a lot of them, the probably most powerful ones, don't. But probably, I mean, the 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 leader of the Labour Party has multiple opinions that are very conservative. Yeah, very conservative, and, and he's part of a very liberal um, by name. Party. Liberal, yeah, liberal party. So. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I I do actually think that was a good point you've made. Uh, the the whole introduction of his this well it's a prominent thing throughout the film really i said introduction uh, his politics is definitely a prominent thing throughout the film and i think um was well, the reason why he gets discredited for 10 years you yeah, know yeah. I mean? when he loses out on his past and then what for the next five six seven years again kitty's kitty's point where she raised the fact that he sent money to spanish refugees for example go on so that i was gonna counter that was to answer your question about one of my favorite scenes and kitty's um interrogation scenes one of my favorite scenes yeah um, Easy, I'm with you. And the funniest thing is that when um, Oppenheimer has an interview, so on and so forth, and then they talk about um, uh, Florence Pugh's character, and he has to like retell the story of how he was having an affair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With a communist, and she gets onto Oppenheimer at some point, and then they have an argument. She drops a bag, and then you see like a flask of alcohol there, and then uh, Oppenheimer's um, solicitor or lawyer, whatever, he says, "I can't put, I can't put it up there," as in to talk to. Um, mm talk to this whoever they are so now we get to the scene of her being interrogated uh, by roger rob uh, roger is it roger rob roger rob roger rob and she starts off mumbling struggling not getting to the on purpose it's lit it's so lit i think she was just finding a footing and then there's a switch on purpose i think i think she was finding like she's like she hasn't done this in a while it's comfortable and then she just switches like flawless performance and then there's something that he says it says oh he was sending money um uh, to uh, the communists, no, through the, the oh yeah, she yeah. Did, not, not to and then like, oh, I like the way you phrase that question. It's just like that. That is one of my dreams because it recontextualizes re-context, con- yeah. that yeah. his relationship with um, Spanish uh, communist groups because we didn't explicitly get um, to know about to it, know right. exactly yeah, what was yeah, happening, why he was sending the money. So that performance, like, just, it, it gave us a better idea of what he was actually doing. He was it sending was money. context. He, yeah, it was context. He was giving money to uh, Spanish refugees and people that we need. But yeah. ob- but obviously, sometimes that money was going through uh, communists rather than giving money to communists and so forth. But yeah, man, it was it was a brilliant scene. Like, one the way of she people. broke down the use of language, I, like, well, all writers here, like, I love the fact she broke yeah. down specifically what you're asking me. Like, you didn't ask me this. You're trying to ask me this. Yeah. But this is not what happened. And I think that's um, the beauty of, uh, of language, yeah, man. Yeah. So that was really good. But, um... My favorite scene was um, definitely the last <coughs> scene, which is a lot of you might disagree with. But the last scene when when we finally find out what Einstein said to him, and I'm gonna cheat here a little bit and say the interaction with him and Einstein on the pond, every single one of them that we got, I think it was three scenes in total. Where it was bit, it was like bit, it was like bit parts, right? And 
if we add them all together, I think that's just that's my favorite like collective scene. But at the end, if we can just take that as like one answer, was my favorite. And I I think because like we haven't seen Einstein very much like p- portrayed in cinema because there wasn't much documented about like there's documented about his personality and and his work and stuff. Okay, but like um, a lot of the time, like a lot of the conversations that he had with a, a lot of massively influential people have passed. You know, mm-hmm. so it was nice to kind of see that famous famous conversation in real life you know well, obviously not in real life but you know so, so someone said that having Einstein on TV and him talking for was like having Santa Claus it just doesn't feel real yeah yeah no but I <laughs> loved it yeah but just I to touch just touch on that Einstein um, scene with Oppenheimer um, event talking about played by Tom Conti yeah Great shout job. out Tom Conti man I love that scene as well but not for that reason also because of Strauss because that his scene, mo- his motives, right? He yeah, drove him up the wall as soon as he, yeah, he wanted to know what, what, what was because the, they're talking about him. Um, and what I love about that, it also like kind of like kind of um looks into the overall film uh, theme of the of the film is that Strauss thought he was so important and he had this again, uh, air of arrogance around him as well. Is that Oppenheimer and Einstein, two uh, notable scientists must have been talking about him yeah. and and like like I said uh, drove him up the wall and then I remember like on the final scene before my guy opens the door and there's like bare pictures taken of yeah. uh, of Charles when he gets de- denied to, to get into the office that he wanted to he says that maybe just maybe they weren't talking about you or or maybe they, they were they were t- had more important things to talk about had more important things to talk about yeah. yeah and it's true they did you know yeah. obviously you know we get to finally see it and I think that I think that's why it was beautiful it was a combination of all of that I mean get to see in that in that scene where you know like where Einstein tells him like like look like they're gonna they're gonna love you you know and then it's gonna get to a point and then obviously I'm paraphrasing hella here you know but it's gonna get to a point where they're gonna love you for them but it's not for you you know, do you know what I mean he said that um, uh, when there was an award they gave him said like at that point I can tell that you guys felt like I was a lot I've lost my um, my ability to essentially do great level of science mm. so when you guys gave me like this achievement life achievement award it wasn't for me it was for you it was for you guys to uh, feel like you've, you're doing more than me so when he was giving that speech we get the scenes um, of Oppenheimer getting um, awarded in, uh, in in I think it was in, in the White House it was yeah when he gets the medal and so forth and again that is, is, is a parallel to what happened to Einstein's that they're not celebrating you they're not happy that you've done it it's just for them to feel more superior than you for like you've gone you're past your your soul by date like I'm, I'm a better scientist than you essentially yeah let's uh let's do reviews man because uh sorry, sorry, sorry. last thing small touch that i don't know if you guys noticed but when oppenheimer went to go get his award from from the, from the president right at the end you see the ring the ring around his eyes he had like a he had like an orange ring around, uh, around his uh, yeah, and it was it was uh, allegedly from when he done the test bombing and he took off his glasses and he saw the UV because he wanted to see the actual first bombing. <coughs> so he took off his his his, his, his <coughs> looked directly into it, and apparently it was like an, it was uh, Chris Nolan put it in as like an ironic spin on on, on like do you know what the bomb did have an effect on him at the end, like a physical effect on him. But that's, that's all very much allegedly just touching that there's even like a scene um, when they were finishing up the bomb and it wasn't explicitly said but how radiation was affecting the people especially the women there yeah. so like in the first year they had like they were like having 80 babies per year mm. on the final year they only popped up 10 yeah. that's obviously because of the radiation that women couldn't have kids in, in that environment but yeah crazy uh, reviews man give it uh, give us your scores out of 10 over to you man 9 9-2 
Nine. 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 Uh, amazing film. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Same. Uh, I think I'm, I like it even more. Yeah, because there's so, it's so detailed. It's, yeah. you, you, you guarantee to miss stuff um, naturally. So yeah, so, just something like that. And, and that's something else about Nolan films. And I think you mentioned it before as well, is that he likes creating films that when you watch it for the second time, you're taking a lot more out of it than you did the first time. And I feel like that a lot. I feel like that about Interstellar, Memento, The Prestige, like most, even even the... Even um, the, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, 100%. 100%, 100% yeah. you, you, the, the themes and the political aspects of the, of the second film particularly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Very yeah. layered. Um, go watch the film if you haven't. Yeah, go watch the film if you haven't. If you're waiting for IMAX, I hear you though. I hear you. Um, this is a post credit scene podcast. We are a 14HQ original. Thank you for tuning in today. If you haven't already done so, uh, feel free to check us out on TikTok, post credit scene podcast. Feel free to check us out on IG, post credit scene pod. Uh, also on YouTube, 14HQ, 14HQ projects. Um, you can catch us. Uh, we recently did a junket with the Then You Run cast. Um, some really, really cool interviews there with those guys. Uh, and also Pete Nix. Oh, yes, and we interviewed Pete Nix, who directed the Steph Curry documentary. He was a really, really cool guy. Um, spoke about some really interesting aspects of what led to him directing that so go check it out it's already out on Apple Plus TV you can actually watch it for free Steph Curry tweeted it out the other day said it's for free for two months so go check it out that's sick um, and that's us over and out this is a post credit scene podcast brought to you by 14HQ